Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Energy Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Labor shortages across the nation are starting to cripple many industries. A lack of construction workers makes picking up the pieces after a natural disaster all the more difficult. The agricultural industry is seeing it as well, like in Portland, where greenhouses and nurseries have dealt with a 30% drop-off of growers with little sign of refilling those positions. Some markets, though, despite this labor shortage, are seeing unprecedented growth. And a key example is the boom of oil production in Texas and New Mexico's Permian Basin. With this expansion of drilling operations comes growth for supplemental companies in the market, like DuraCoatings Holdings, which provides hard-coating applications for machinery in the energy, oil, and gas sectors. Positioned in Oklahoma City, the company has felt the positive effects of this boom, and it doesn't show signs of stopping. Craig Smith, VP of Sales and Marketing for Dura Coatings, joined us on the podcast to break down how the coatings market has adjusted to this production boom, from established companies to small-sized newcomers. But more importantly, he gives insight on the difficulty in training and retention of high-skilled workers in the coatings industry, and why this market growth could be the perfect catalyst to educate and excite potential laborers to join the wave. All right, today we're joined by Craig. Great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Daniel, great to be here with you and MarketScale this morning. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into what you do at Dura Coatings and really analyze the coatings industry, something we haven't dived into too much on our podcast before. Um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of growth in the industry over the last several years, a lot of changes. And I know you've been in the industry for practically 40 years now, which means if there's anyone to talk to about this, it's going to be you. Well, yeah, Daniel, the uh, the metal finishing industry is a is a big and growing industry. We've we've seen some uh, market trends and some changes over the years. Uh, while we specialize in industrial hard chrome plating, nickel sulfamate coating, phosphate coating, and HVOF thermal spray. We continue to see a lot of growth in the HVOF uh, thermal spray arena. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm excited to dive into and really look into how that's representative of bigger changes in the industry and how you think those changes are affecting the market as a whole. Um, so before we dive into that, I know that you and your company were just at the PBIOS trade show in Odessa, Texas, which stands for the Permian Basin International Oil Show. So tell me a bit about what y'all were doing there and some of the exciting things you saw coming through the oil industry. Well, one of the things uh, that's important to recognize, Daniel, you know, our business here in Oklahoma City, of course, is heavily related to uh, the energy, oil, and gas market. And uh, we specialize in the repair and restoration of a wide variety of downhole drilling tools, frack pump plungers, uh, industrial pump rotors, coal tubing rotors, uh, shocks, jars, bearing surfaces of all kinds. And um, so there's a fair amount of these tools that are related to the drilling industry. And uh, of course, this is upstream so that wherever there's a drilling rig, uh, these markets that we pursue are heavily involved with the drilling of uh, wells. And so to be able to go to the Permian Basin International Oil Show and to have a booth there and to posture ourselves and to be in the position to talk with uh, 
many of our current clients as well as uh, potential clients that are at the Permian Basin is, is real important for us as a company in that uh, while we have been in business for 40 years, um, you know, it's still surprising to recognize that there are those in these industries that we pursue that are, are not aware of us. So, you know, trying to uh, do the best that we can to bring about market awareness and brand recognition. So that's one of the reasons we like to attend uh, trade shows related to the oil and gas industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's nothing better than getting your name out there in an authentic way. You know, earlier in the year, we didn't have a booth, but we did attend the International Offshore Conference there in uh, Houston, which is a real similar environment, but uh, based out of Houston, Texas. And um, so that's a, a, a rather large show. And uh, we attended that where we uh, engaged, you know, uh, a fair amount of potential clients. And so, yeah, we're continuing to, to be surprised on the amount of people in the industry that are still, you know, still haven't recognized us as a uh, serious player here in the Southwest in the metal finishing industry. Yeah. Well, you know, something like this podcast could just do the trick. Well, that's what we're hoping uh, by building a relationship with market scale. Uh, we've been able to capitalize on our uh, social media platforms and to uh, drive, you know, interest towards our, uh, our website, which demonstrates the size and scope of our company. You know, we started, Daniel, back in the late 70s, and uh, we had a large manufacturing company here that was called Eastman uh, Teleco here in Oklahoma City. Oh, it was Eastman Christensen, pardon me. And, of course, they were uh, purchased by Baker Hughes, which is Baker Hughes General Electric today. So we've been heavily involved with uh, a wide variety of downhole drilling tools since the late the you know the late seventies. So for over forty years now, we've had really good relationships with uh, you know customers here in the Oklahoma City area. But we'd like to broaden that base to encompass all the major oil plays here in the United States. Yeah, I mean it's it's an exciting time, definitely, and I'm really excited to just learn more about what this growth has been like in the entire industry. So let's start with kind of analyzing where the growth has been up to now before we dig into what you see around the corner, because you've been in the industry for almost 40 years, if not more, and you must have seen a lot change. And so I wanted to know, what do you think the most dramatic changes that you've seen in the industry, you know, whether that's in electroplating, thermal spray, grind or machining technologies? You know, if if I had to guess, I would say it might be something like IoT devices helping automate a lot of the manufacturing processes. I know I've seen that really be a big staple of change in, you know, these manufacturing kind of industries. So I was wondering if that's similar to some of the things that you've seen here in the coatings industry. Over the years, uh, Daniel, one of the major changes that we've seen since the late 70s is that, you know, the uh, steel manufacturers have uh, began to produce uh, a lot of uh, exotic substrates that are bringing hardness and a, some amount of corrosion resistance to the parts that are manufactured. So in some ways, some of the items that we used to hard coat with industrial hard chrome plating, uh, we've seen some of those markets to begin to diminish. Uh, another big change uh, in the early 90s, we had a large client base 
that was facilitating the printing market. And as you well know, uh, due to the digital age, uh, the printing market has shrunk considerably over the years. Another marketplace that we uh, had a, uh, you know, a large following in was the, the textile industry. And, uh, you know, today, uh, you know, carpets, uh, clothing, draperies, uh, flooring, uh, you know, seat covers, just a wide variety of textile uh you know, repair products have, you know, almost uh, been eliminated by, you know, companies fleeing to India and China. So, uh, golly, uh, back in the early 80s, I believe it was over like 90% of all clothing was manufactured in the United States. And today it's less than 10%. So, you know, we had to uh, refocus our uh, attention to uh, the oil and uh, energy and gas business due to the fact that uh, as drilling activity picked up and the sophistication of these drilling tools, you know, continued to grow, uh, we found ways to grow with these companies and with these tools that they brought to the marketplace. And the reason why the tools are so important is because during the drilling process, these tools, you know, utilize hydraulics and uh, due to the drilling fluids used to operate those tools, they require seal surfaces. Seal surfaces such as hydraulic components and pump components are dependent upon uh, a good, hard, corrosion-resistant surface so that they can uh, maintain a seal, which allows the tool to actuate or to operate. Once the seal is lost and they lose uh, hydraulic pressure, they lose the capability of the tool. So, you know, we've kind of uh, narrowed our core competencies down to, uh, you know, drilling tools, uh, frack pumps, cold tubing, uh, tooling, mud motor rotors. And we still, you know, do some amount of automotive textile and printing, but it's not near the scale as is what we provide the energy, oil, and gas market. Well, I mean, especially in a in a market like Texas. Um, I mean, I know you were just in Odessa, but I know Texas has a great booming oil market. So I'm sure you have a lot of business there. I mean, have you seen more growth in some of those specific markets here in the U.S.? Well, that's that's a very uh, interesting statement, uh, Daniel. In that, um, yes, the. You know, I mean, we're really blessed to be here in uh, Oklahoma City, uh, logistically, you know, positioned right here in the middle of the United States. We are an energy state. Uh, we're surrounded by other energy states such as Kansas, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado. And the great thing about being in the energy, oil, and gas market is that, you know, there's just a, a, a wide variety of variety of other markets to pursue. So, for example, we've got the Marcellus Shell up in uh, Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, and New York, and we have a wide variety of contacts and clients in that area of the country. We've got Williston, uh, North Dakota. There's a big, uh, you know, uh, oil play up there, where, again, we've been able to bring our services to that area of the country. And in addition to that, you've got Casper and Bakersfield, California. So combined with the activity that we've got in Oklahoma and Texas, you know, that makes for a fairly large 
marketplace to pursue. And so we're grateful that we're in the energy sectors as opposed to the East and West Coast. Um, and with some of these markets fleeing the United States, I mean, it's been a it's been a great uh, opportunity for us to continue to organically grow. And um, while we we've looked at automotive uh and we have some work in the automotive markets. We've looked at uh, locomotive. Again, we have some uh, parts that we repair and, and, and restore in that market. Um, you've still got some textile and some printing and hydraulics and pumps to pursue. But, um, you know, we wanted the marketplace to be aware of the fact that now that we are ISO 9001, uh, revision 15, and AS 9100, uh, our new president, Dennis Glasgow, came out of the aerospace industry. And so he's been with us now since November of 16 and being, uh, put us into position to uh, – pursue some aerospace and uh, aviation repair and restoration projects. So it's been pretty exciting being here in Oklahoma City, again, logistically uh, positioned to pursue those markets. And so that's one of the things that we're attempting to do. While we are, by all means, uh, specialized in metal finishing, uh, there are product groups within metal finishing that we, that, that we serve. And so, for example, in the aerospace industry, there's a lot of uh, engine, turbine, and landing gear, and a wide variety of pneumatic and hydraulic components that we feel that we're uh, really suited for in terms of industrial hard chrome, HBOF, thermal spray technology, and grinding and machining. So it's a pretty exciting time for us. We've just gotten started, and uh, we're hoping... Uh, through, uh, you know, our uh, driving our social media and our website and our trade shows that uh, will continue to reach out to these marketplaces that we think we could well serve. Yeah. Well, and it's great to be tapped into those marketplaces authentically, too. And you're perfectly situated, like you said, geographically to find that best work and grow in conjunction with the, the growing industries and the growing markets. So something else that I wanted to chat with you about, actually, is sort of seeing how some of these coding companies are responding to this growth. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear that it's a good time to get into codings. But these small and mid-sized companies, I think, are having trouble keeping up with the ones who are well-capitalized, have been around for a while, can utilize their geographic and their social resources a little better. So what is the state of that in your eyes? Um, do you think it's a good time for small companies to try and break into the market? Do you think it's it's um, you know, maybe too oversaturated, too many small, mid-sized companies? Where do you think that struggle is coming from? Sort of give me a state of the union on that side of the market. You know, one of the things that I've recognized, uh, starting with this company back in the late 70s with my grandfather, uh, who was the original founder, and then working with my dad, the second president of the company. And then from the early 90s all the way up to 2013, you know, this was a private company. Um, and as a private ownership, you know, it's difficult to grow due to, uh, you know, the resources and the financing required to grow. Some of the other restraints you find are, you know, uh, 
property, you know, at some point you you you've fully utilized your facility. And so depending if you're uh, landlocked or, you know, have the capability of buying additional property, it makes it difficult for the smaller uh, private companies, you know, to grow. Now, starting in 2013, uh, we partnered with Rock Hill Capital Group out of Houston, Texas. They're well capitalized and uh, they've been able to fund us in the, uh, for example, we're building a complete new state-of-the-art building. Uh, we're going to be on one campus where today we're, you know, we're on the north side of the airport and the south side of the airport. We're moving our entire uh, campus to a five acre piece of industrial property where, uh, you know, we're going to build uh, close to 30,000 square foot of new floor space. And so that's kind of exciting. And then uh, in addition to that, we've been able to add uh, uh, four 22 foot deep plating tanks. Uh, we've been able to add uh, two 30-foot strip tanks, CNC carbide polishing, CNC grinding, and we've also added uh, new homes and some pretty uh, so sophisticated uh, diamond belt grinding machines. That's helped us to not only to, uh, to grow, but to become more efficient and to provide fast turn times to a marketplace that demands, you know, quick turnarounds on repair and restoration. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, smaller uh, companies that are privately owned uh, find themselves in small little segmented markets. So every major metropolitan area is going to have uh, one or two you know, fair size industrial metal finishing operations. But you're going to find very few across the United States that have the capacity to serve large markets in multiple geographical areas. So while we celebrated 20 years with uh, previous ownership, it was kind of bittersweet in that we, uh, you know, uh, he had to find an exit strategy. That exit strategy provided a partnership and the partnership with Rock Hill has uh, allowed us to uh, find the talent that we needed to uh, grow our business. It's allowed us to uh, pursue the technology that we needed to uh, serve our customers. And so um, here we are closing out 2018 with uh, uh, record revenue and margins and postured to embrace 2019 with an opportunity to serve the aero industry. It's been an exciting time for us as a, as a company. And I think in some ways, uh, because of this relationship with our partners at Rock Hill, it gives us a competitive edge. And so, you know, the growth and the capital investment, you know, I kind of feel like some of the smaller companies that don't have those capabilities are, you know, going to be stagnant in my opinion. Well, and I mean, especially if there's a struggle to retain or find talented staff. And I mean, I know this is an issue that can be found in if most, if not all of these industrial segments is that it can be difficult to find new staff or just keep talented staff in the first place. So especially as the Oklahoma City industrial and energy, oil and gas companies continue to grow and like 
like your companies as well, the ones that provide the supplemental technology to ensure the processes go off without a hitch as all of that continues to grow, you know, the only thing that's going to help ensure that growth is the people behind the scenes that are making it happen. So if there's a struggle there to keep them on the job or to even find people that are qualified enough for the job, um, you're sort of being hit at multiple angles here. I think most uh, small to mid-sized businesses or all businesses for that matter, um, it's pretty evident today that the uh, prospect for employees, I mean, you know, the industrial worker is in the driver's seat today. Uh, He's got a plethora of opportunities We've got several large companies here, including uh, Hobby Lobby, Baker Hughes, General Electric, uh, Schlumberger, Camry uh, Incorporated. I mean, there's some large companies here that are aggressively seeking all uh, potential industrial working individuals. And, you know, as you well know, um, uh, it's no secret that we don't have the trades uh, in high school, like we used to, uh, there's not many young people coming out seeking the industrial trades. And so it's, um, for all practical purposes, it's, it's very, very competitive. So we just recently hired, uh, Patty McLaughlin to take over our, uh, human resource. And while we do have, you know, somewhat of a pool. It's not as large as pool as we'd like to have for the uh, industrial metal finishing uh, prospects. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's a whole nother conversation is how can you motivate young professionals to want to enter this industry? How do you make it exciting? How do you really relate all of the potential that there is in the industry to them in a way that grabs them authentically. Uh, You know, that's a conversation I've had with people in pro AV, with people in building management, Um, any any sort of labor industry or or industrial industry. um, There is that talent gap. And as the more seasoned employees get closer to aging out or retiring, you know, it's going to get even tougher. It's like, okay, well, it, it, you can sort of say, okay, at least we have a core right now, right, of solid professionals that know what they're doing. But in the next 10 years, if nothing changes and you haven't found a better way to approach younger professionals to get into this industry, well, your seasoned professionals are going to be out the door and now you're not going to have anyone to do anything. So it, it's uh, it's definitely a, a tricky balance, but one that I think framed the right way could be easier than expected, mostly just because of the the crazy growth that's going on in the market. You know, that's a that's a big seller that I think you can use for recruitment. Not you specifically. I mean, you yes, you specifically, but I mean you and just the entire industry and all companies in the market. What's crazy is that uh, you know, for example, Chesapeake, uh, Hobby Lobby. Uh, a lot of these companies, you know, they have complete wellness facilities uh, with, uh, you know, weightlifting and cardio and massage and uh, Olympic pools and uh, cafeterias. I mean, these companies are going all out to pull uh, the talent, you know, to their facilities. And so, um, you know, as a small to mid-sized metal finishing company, um, you know, those are the obstacles. So I think you're right in in stating that we're going to have to take probably a more diversified approach to not only in our recruiting, but in our nurturing and cultivating uh, these employees. And, um, 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that you could attract them with higher pay. But for the most part, you know, you and I both included, you know, we want job satisfaction. We want education. We want to uh, feel a part of a team. Uh, we want to be a part of the vision of the future. Uh, we want to be recognized as leaders in our profession. And um, I think as uh, as we enter the new year, I mean, we've already had lots of dialogue and discussion about uh, the issues that we have in front of us. And so while that program is not fully in place, it's it's headed in that direction. That uh, process can be a really fun and creative process as a company uh, to turn that corner. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, well, as am I. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how Duracoatings and other companies within the space sort of get over this this hump uh, in the road. And it's um, it's it's a good one to have, right? It's it's growth. It's more opportunity. But with that comes, you know, okay, a, a strained labor force and making sure that you have the necessary resources. So it's an exciting time to have these issues. That's for sure. And uh, I'm personally excited to see where it goes. So, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us your insight on sort of the state of the coatings industry right now. Some of the main growth you've seen, what's getting you excited, what's troubling you and kind of how everyone can band together to make some changes happen. So, again, thanks for coming on, Craig. Daniel, my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.